that happened to me. That's not my fault, but it is my responsibility to heal. You know, it is my responsibility to realize the patterns I have now because of it. And it is my responsibility to acknowledge the truth of what happened and come out of denial and into reality so Jesus can actually heal me. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Called Women podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Miller. And today, ah. I have an amazing conversation that I get to share with you. We have such a powerful, anointed woman of God who's going to be coming on and sharing with us her journey to answering the call. And uh, before I bring her on and have her talk even more, um, I want to read her her bio, uh, because not only is Dr. Melissa Rosenberg a daughter of God, a child of God, but she is also a, she has her doctorate in uh, counseling education and she has her master's in clinical mental health. And she is a therapist who helps women and men walk through trauma. She practices EMDR. She is truly skilled in, um, and knowledge and also an education of how to truly help women and men walk through trauma and get healed. She is also a secure attachment coach and she is the author of a fully secured heart. And recently she was ordained as an evangelist. And also she is one of the coaches within the called women community. And what's even more amazing is that our community um, have we have we have given her a nickname, which is Coach Fireball, okay? So I know that in our conversation today that you're going to just feel and experience the presence of God through the way that she shares and encourages us today. So Melissa, welcome to the Called Women Podcast. Thank you so much, Natasha, for having me. I am so honored to be here today with you. Yes. I I mean, even before we hit the record button, uh, we were just talking about how we could feel the presence of God, even in the midst of us praying and preparing uh, to hop on this chat. So uh, Tasha Melissa, I would love for you to just share your heart for women. Um, with your journey, there is a like a common thread of God using your story of pain to help encourage minister and inspire women to start the journey of healing. So when did that passion start? When did you know that God was calling you specifically to women? That's such a great question, Natasha. And to be honest, I think in order to answer that question, I actually have to go all the way back to my childhood. Um, because for me, as a child growing up, um, I was the youngest of two girls in my family. And um, my mother actually suffered from clinical depression from the time that I was um, a very young child. Um, in fact, looking back, I, I believe that she was clinically depressed. It could have been at the time even that I was born because um, my grandmother, uh, my mother's mother actually passed away from stomach cancer when I was six months old. Um, and so my mother was very, very close with her mother. My mother was the youngest of five children and um, in an Irish Catholic family. <laughs> 
And um, she actually cared for my grandmother um, in her home, you know, as my grandfather would go to work and my mother um, would take me as a baby and would actually, and take my, my sister who was then five years old and care for my grandmother and did that until my grandmother passed away. And, you know, looking back upon my childhood, um, you know, I had a good childhood, my needs were taken care of and so forth and so on. Um, but as I got older, um, it was actually when I was in high school, my mother had her first bout with clinical depression, um, where, where it got quite serious to the point where we actually had to hospitalize her. And um, it was, I think it was really at that point that I developed a strong recognition for the need specifically to help women who are struggling with mental health issues, um, who are struggling with trauma, with loss. I just, and I didn't have the words for that then, you know, because I was only, I think I was maybe 14 or 15 years old at that time. But I knew that I had that heart to want to help. Um, and, you know, back then there was a lot more stigma around mental health issues than there is now. And so back then it wasn't really something that you could talk about at school or that you could really share about with your friends. Like my close friends knew what was going on, but it was something that I really kind of had to just hold and kind of deal with. And to be honest, I think that really impacted my journey for the rest of my life. Because I remember thinking, you know, this is my mother and she deserves to be well she deserves to be cared for. And many people, I think, that go through trauma, that go through difficult times, that go through depression, um, sometimes people only see people for their diagnosis, or they only see people sort of through this stigmatized lens. And to me, I was like, this is my mother. <laughs> you know, like, I know my mother when she's well, I know her when she's happy. I know her when she's taking me to the beach and playing with me. And, you know, this isn't, this isn't her identity. This is just a part of a disease that she struggles with. And so to be honest, I really believe that my desire and, and what God, um, allowed to happen there, even though that was traumatizing for me as a child, as the Bible says, he allowed what the enemy meant for harm to be used for good because he gave me a deep compassion and empathy for women who struggle. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is really, really good. I love how you were able to tie your call to the beginning of your journey, right? Because I believe that there are a lot of hints of what God has placed inside of us, we can find a lot of those clues in our childhood, right? Or through, you know, significant moments. So as you were sharing and how you were, you know, talking about how you knew your mother had an issue, right? That there was something that was just not right. Mm -hmm. But you also remembered, yes. you know, the moments in which, you know, she was healthy and you were able to separate, okay, here's the disease and here is who my mom really yes. is. So even right now for women who may even be in the same shoes that you were in, you know, years ago, how can you help them to come to a place of understanding that, okay, because I can see that if you, if you're unable to separate, 
you can put your energy and yeah. your, you can get overwhelmed with the disease and then not know how mm -hmm. to actually love the person because you're so consumed like with their problems, right? Of what, you know, they're lashing out and doing. So Absolutely. how would you encourage someone to be able to help healthily separate that and lean into love and lean into compassion for somebody who they love, who may be struggling with that? Yes. And thank you so much for asking that question, because I know for me growing up, um, because of the family of origin that I came from. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, my mother suffered with mental health issues. Um, my dad um, for years um, dealt with, you know, alcoholism. And so mm -hmm. I come from a family where there are a lot of issues going on. And again, yeah. it wasn't really so much that I saw things like nobody was violent in my home. It wasn't like out of order. It was more like things that were like under the carpet, so to speak. But as a child, um, as I'm sure you know, as a mother, you know, children are very intuitive yeah. and they sense the energies and what's going on in the home. And they, I think for me, you know, I, I learned as a child early on because of my surroundings, um, intuitively, I learned that it was my job to fix everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I learned that, okay, well, I, I'm here to help everybody feel better and feel happy. And, you know, and I got really good at taking on other people's emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and what I've often told to my clients in the past is that, you know, what happens when we are in these kinds of family dynamics as children is we become experts in meeting the needs of everyone else. Mm -hmm. Like we become really, really good at it. Yeah. The problem with that though, is that when we do that, we also become, we also deny our own mm -hmm. needs because it's impossible to become the expert and be the expert in meeting everyone else's needs and also have needs of your own. Good. The two don't go together. And so what you sort of learn, again, I'm thinking about like fast forwarding as you go through life now and as I become an adolescent and as I become a woman and as I get into dating relationships, you know, what you learn is that you learn that your job is to help everyone else, fix everything else for everyone else, and you start betraying yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. You start, you start, you, you honestly, at, at one point, I remember waking up at one point, you know, in my late thirties and saying, do I even have needs? Like if I do, I don't know what they are. You know, I literally didn't know what my needs were. I didn't know. I was like, I don't even know if I have any because I had spent my whole life repressing my own needs mm -hmm. in order to be there to help everyone else. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think how I would answer your question is that, again, we we all have childhood trauma of yeah. some kind, you know, mm -hmm. and it might not be as much as the story I'm sharing with you. But we all know that our parents, all of our parents did the best they could yeah. with what they had to work with. Right. And they had their own trauma that they were recovering from and they had their own family of origin issues and so forth and so on. And we know in Christianity, there's there's curses and generational strongholds. So there's so many things happening. But what I would say to people is that, you know, if you acknowledge your family of origin traumas and issues, if you can get to the point where you can come out of denial, mm -hmm. right? Because again, when you think about us as children, 
we had to keep ourselves safe by essentially staying in a place of denial. Right. We had to pretend that unsafe situations were safe <laughs> when they really weren't. <laughs> and so, but as an adult, what we actually have to do is we have to actually come to a place where we're like, okay, you know what? This really wasn't the best scenario. Yeah. You know, it really wasn't great that I felt the responsibility of an adult as a child. Like that mm -hmm. really should have never happened. Mm -hmm. And we have to say, well, what did I miss out on as a child? Yeah. Because I was kind of in a way groomed to be like an adult. Mm -hmm. And we have to start looking at what are my needs? You know, what is my heart? And I, and really pressing in to ask ourselves, like, what does my heart need? What, what do I need in my life to keep myself well? Yeah. You know, what are my boundaries that are important? And I think as we start to explore who we are and what our needs are, then mm -hmm. we're able to set healthy boundaries yeah you know, with the people in our lives, um, to answer your question, you know, whether that's our parents mm -hmm. or our spouses, our friends, our children, our colleagues, right? We need healthy boundaries with all of those people. Yeah. Um, and I know that a lot of women who have grown up in situations where they felt like they had to take on the issues of their parents, you know, they can struggle with things such as like codependency, mm -hmm. where where they feel like, well, I can't be well if this other person isn't well, mm -hmm. you know, or like if this other person isn't doing well, then that means I'm not going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's essentially putting your security in another person rather than in God. Yeah. Um, and that's something that God had to heal mm -hmm, me from. Mm -hmm. No. And that's even going into, uh, your book, right? How you wrote that book, having a fully mm -hmm. secured heart. But before we yes. go into, you know, the yes. mission and purpose with that, I would love for you to talk, um, into, uh, about, cause I had a question that. So if there is a woman who's hearing this and she's like, okay, I am yes. going to be brave. I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask myself those yes. questions, right? Like, why don't I trust yes. myself or am I codependent or yes. going back to the origin? Was there some other issues that were happening in my family dynamic that I wasn't aware of as a child, but I now have language for and being able to name it right now? How would you go about, so let's say as you're doing this work, you're realizing, okay, man, what my mom said really hurt me or man, how yeah. my dad treated me was kind of emotionally abusive. Like how does somebody yes. come to a place of resolve with like forgiving someone mm -hmm. without having to confront? Or would you say that sometimes confrontation yes. is going to be necessary or because I know for me personally, like I can relate to a lot of this because I think yes. for a lot of even Christian women, if you've been raised in a Christian home, you kind of look at your life and you're mm -hmm. like, hey, whatever happened, you know, before I got saved is now covered in the blood. So I don't need to go back or right. it can kind of skew right. your, your perspective and cause you to not really want to look at what actually happened because we do have to name it right before it can Correct. be healed. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'm even finding as I'm continuing on my journey is like, okay, there are some conversations that need to be had but I need mm -hmm. to also be strategic and wise 
with what conversation I introduce, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't want to go back to people Absolutely. and throw up on them and be like, you did this to me. So how would you like coach or help That's someone great. know how to go back into their past and confront if they need to yeah. or forgive or just leave it alone? Yes. Such a wonderful and honestly, crucially important question, Natasha, about forgiveness. And, you know, I just read a really great book recently by Timothy Keller um, called, I think it's literally called Forgive. And it's for anyone that's interested. um, It is an amazing book. Mm -hmm. It's really like a deep dive and study into forgiveness Mm -hmm. and why forgiveness is literally the foundation of our lives as Christians, because without the forgiveness of Jesus, Mm -hmm. none of us would be here. And, and, and so what I know about that, and I love the way that you frame that question with asking me, you know, do you approach the person? Do you kind of like deal with it on your own? Do you, you know, how do you go about that? I think one thing about that, Again, it gets back to the acknowledging reality. Because again, when we, we, I think what we have to think about when we are children in an environment that's not emotionally safe, psychologically safe, spiritually safe, or even physically safe, mm-hmm. as a child, like, like if we put ourselves back in that position for a second as that little girl, right? Mm-hmm. That little girl is doing everything she can to survive in that environment, right? Because the truth is, that's the only environment she has. You know, there are no other options. It's not like when you're an adult and maybe you find yourself in a relationship you don't like. You're like, well, I'm breaking up with you and I'm going to move out, you know, or whatever you're going to do. That, you know, that's different. But as a child, you have no other options, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, when we think about it, there's such a level of um, ch- what children do is children protect their parents, mm-hmm. even when they know that something's wrong. Because when we really think about it, the idea for a little child of acknowledging to themselves that something is wrong, like really wrong with their caretaker, with the person that's supposed to be there to protect them and to care for them. The thought of that is terrifying mm-hmm. for a child. Yeah. Right. It's, is- it's terrifying because this is the only person you have to mm-hmm. take care of you. Mm-hmm. And so what children will do, they'll do one of two things. They'll either deny that there's a problem and it will come out in behaviors or like other types of things, or they'll blame it on themselves. Mm-hmm right? They'll be like, oh, it's because I'm bad. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I'm treated this way. It's because I'm not good enough. That's why nobody acknowledges me Mm -hmm. at my home and they don't praise me or pay attention to me. It's because I'm not as good as my sister, the other kid, right? And so they'll either blame themselves or they'll just be in denial and they'll be like, oh, everything's fine. Mm. And they'll just, you know, kind of fake it and pretty much learn, essentially learn to gaslight themselves, mm. right? We all know that term gaslighting nowadays. And oftentimes it's used when we talk about, oh, someone else is gaslighting you. They're trying to make you feel like you're crazy. You know, it's mm. something that narcissists do to people. Yeah. But as little children, if we're in an unsafe environment, we actually learn how to gaslight ourselves. Mm -hmm. We learn to essentially deny 
our own reality, mm. right? And so now think about fast forwarding. You're, you asked the question of forgiveness. I think one of the, and I'm, I'm going to speak from my own experience, not even from clients or students, mm-hmm. but literally from my own journey with God and healing. The biggest thing that I had to face and acknowledge was my denial mm. of the truth of some of the things from my family system and my family of origin that were very painful. Yeah. Right. Because I had spent a lifetime trying to fix it, Mm -hmm. trying to repress it and not think about it and just put on a smile and be happy and pretend like it was okay. You know, like, it's like just trying to be like, no, it's leave it to beaver. It's fine. Like (laughs) everything's great. When, when I knew inside it wasn't right. And, and, you know, I became like, um, I became someone that performed. Mm -hmm. I became someone who's, who strived to earn love and affection, right? I became somebody who um, was a perfectionist, right? Mm-hmm. Because I learned, hey, if I'm just happy and if I just try to make everything look pretty and perfect and if I just, you know, make sure that everybody's in a good mood yeah. and always be cheerful, then maybe they'll be healthy. Mm. Maybe they'll be happy. Yeah. Like maybe they'll have a good relationship, you know, right? And so literally I had to realize like, wait, I've been doing this my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like this didn't just come out of nowhere. It wasn't like I just woke up one day. I literally did that my entire life. Mm -hmm. And so then fast forward, you wake up in your late thirties and you're going, wait, (laughs) why am I finding myself in these relationship patterns that are harmful? You know, why am I finding myself acting this way in my career Mm -hmm. and not having balance in my life? Like, why am I finding myself abusing alcohol to numb myself out because I'm overworking myself and I'm, you know, not, not being able to relax in any other way, you know, because that's what those types of behaviors do they lead us into addictions they lead us into other types of relationship dynamics that don't have good boundaries because it's all we've ever known and we're like oh well we're this is familiar and so when we wake up and we start to look at our lives and we start to take personal responsibility again because this is not about blaming our parents anymore right when we become women we do acknowledge the pain and hurt but we at some point we have to say okay that happened to me. That's not my fault, but it is my responsibility to heal. Mm -hmm. You know, it is my responsibility to realize the patterns I have now because of it. And it is my responsibility to acknowledge the truth of what happened and come out of denial and into reality. So Jesus can actually heal me because like you said earlier, we can't get healed of things that we won't acknowledge. We, are, we can't get healed of things that we refuse to be honest mm-hmm. with the Lord about mm-hmm. and that we just keep running from him and hiding. And I mean, again, I'm, I'm the expert at that. I did that for years, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. until I just, he wouldn't let me do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it comes to that place where the Lord, he's so faithful because he just continues, you know, to pursue yes. us. He continues to chase after us. Like this past Sunday, yes, I was, Oh, what was I? Um, like there was a yes. song that we were singing of the goodness of God and he's just, you know, your goodness is running after and after me. And 
I literally had this picture of me running like on this dirt road and like Jesus, he's running after me. And even if he falls, right? Because sometimes I'm sure he like, this little rascal, you just keep running. This little girl just keeps running and running. And when he's like, that doesn't stop him because, you know, because just, you know, even if, if you do something to prevent him from coming and maybe like nothing takes him off guard. So for me, it just was just this beautiful picture of, God, you so generously love me. You so generously pursue me. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that will stop you from, you know, desiring me, right? And and and, and wanting to be with me. So even just with your work and with your life's work and, uh, you know, your career and even um, how the Lord, uh, how he spoke to you about writing a book about having a fully secured heart and you did kind of talk about it um you know in sharing what a codependency is and how that's not a healthy way to live so i would love for you to share you know with our community what made you want you know to write that book Absolutely. 100%. So one thing I'll say is that it's, it's interesting that you talk about that, that, and I love that song as well. (laughs) Natasha such a beautiful song. And you know, the, what Holy Spirit actually brought back to my mind when you were talking about that song and this kind of leads into, you know, why I wrote the Mm -hmm. book is that I remember one day, um, you know, I live in Maine. I was, I was at the beach walking on the beach with my dog, which I often do. And it was, it was winter. And I was kind of like, I was in one of those depressive cycles Mm -hmm. because I too have gone through, um, several depressive cycles, some worse than others. I've had two, I've actually, had two bouts of clinical mm-hmm. depression in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, both that were very traumatizing, but I've also dealt with like seasonal affective disorder, which is something that really comes on more around winter when it's very dark, it's very cold Mm -hmm. here. And so I was kind of going through one of those, but what I started to realize is that that depressive state is very much tied in with our attachment Mm -hmm. trauma. And when I say that, what I mean by that, and people, I'm hoping that, that listeners will understand this. It's like, you, there's this feeling you get in the pit of your stomach where you feel, it, it literally feels, this is the only way I can describe it. It feels like you are not securely attached, mm-hmm. like, like in your, in your gut and you can, you can feel it. It's like, you feel like you're just kind of floating around out there and you're not, you don't feel this, this, this sense of being anchored yeah. and being firmly planted. And that sense and that feeling for those of us who have dealt with insecure attachment from childhood, it becomes almost something you get familiar with. Cause you're like, well, this is just me. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like this my whole life. And you try all these different things to essentially try to get that security. Right. And so it might be in relationships with men, mm-hmm. right? That's the major way that oftentimes women do that. And that is called codependency mm-hmm. because essentially what you're trying to do is you don't feel that inner security inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to attach to someone mm-hmm. else and cling to them in order to get that security but what happens is it inevitably becomes controlling it becomes manipulative Mm -hmm. it because there's because the base of that is fear 
It's fear of being left. Mm -hmm. It's fear of loss. It's fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. It's fear of rejection. And so women will stay in like abusive cycles, abusive relationships, because in their heart of hearts, even though they know what's going on is wrong, in their heart of hearts, they're like, but I don't want to be alone, but I don't know if I could do any better, but I don't want him to leave me. Right. So they stay in these cycles and, or we go into like drugs and alcohol. You know, I used alcohol as a coping strategy for years, years and years. Um, I use performance and achievement as another way to try to feel secure. You know, I have three degrees. (laughs) I, you know, got all kinds of awards. I, you know, graduated at the top of my class with each degree. You know, I played three sports a year in high school and sang in the select choir and did every play. You know, it was, I was the president of my, vice president of my class, right? It was just like everything I could do to try to like fill that, that void. I did. Right. And I was always, I had believed in Jesus my whole life, but I didn't have the depth of understanding of who he really was. I kind of saw him as a far off distant God. You know, I saw him as someone I had to like perform for, right. I essentially what I did was I projected all of my childhood issues onto him, you know? And, and so back to the beach, essentially, when I was walking on the beach that day, Jesus said to me, because again, I was in that depressive state, I started to feel scared. I'm like, I don't want to get depressed. I don't feel well. Yeah. I don't like this feeling. And, and Jesus, I heard the Lord say to me, I heard Holy Spirit say, he said, Melissa, if you would just, mm, he said, if you would just chase after me, yeah, the way that you chase after everything else. Yeah. I would make everything brand new. Yeah. I would make everything brand new. And, you know, for me, I remember when he said that. And I remember thinking, like, I don't even know how to do that. Like, what does that even mean? Like, how do I get close to you? Like, like, how do I even trust that you'll do that? And, like, how will you do that? You know, like, because the thing of it was, I didn't trust myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust him. I didn't trust really other people. I didn't trust anybody. Right. And so I had to get to the point, honestly, where I, I said to myself, you know what? I can't keep living this way. And I'll be honest. I remember I was online one night and I remember there was, there was, um, there was a masterclass series going on. (laughs) It was called break the cycle. (laughs) you remember Natasha it was a break the cycle and I want to say it must have been 2018 around that came in my mind the year yeah is that what came up for you okay and so and I remember I was just I remember it as clear as day I was sitting on my couch in my apartment in Portland and I remember seeing it and I was like okay, I'm going to be a part of this and so it's like I did the the master class series and then I remember um I went there, the the people at the end, they started talking about you and Jamal were on there and you were talking about, you know, TOU and everybody started talking about TOU and this TOU that. And I'm like, what is this? And people are like, our lives have been changed. They're like, we've been healed. Like, so God has done so much for us. Like, like literally we're like different people. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought I'm getting chills yeah. right now thinking about mm-hmm. it because of your impact. Yeah quite frankly, in my life and the impact of your husband. 
um, I remember thinking to myself, I have to be a part mm-hmm. of this. I have to be a part of yeah. this. And I did. Yeah. And I went through the one university. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's funny too that you talk about codependency because when I signed up for the one university, which, you know, in all of our minds back then, it was like, oh, this is what's going to get me married, yeah. you know? And I had already been through a horrible divorce with a narcissist. So I was like, okay, I'm not doing that again. I was so afraid I was going to get it wrong again. I was like, I need help. I need to do that. And I was like, I just wanted to get married. I wanted to get married. And then, of course, when you're in it, you realize, oh, this isn't about that. This is actually about God healing mm-hmm. you. This is actually about God making you the mm-hmm. one and God preparing you and God developing your relationship with God yeah. and, and with, and with other believers, which was, it, it was so much more than I could have hoped for because that's what I really yeah. needed. I didn't need to get married. You know, I needed to get healed then. Mm. And, and so what happened was I actually went to the TOU conference, which was the live conference in Chicago. And this is all leading to, you know, leading up to my book. And so I went to the conference and, um, I was, I came home. I remember I was in the bus station in Boston. And I knew, I said to the Lord, because so much had happened at TOU conference. Mm-hmm. It was so amazing. There was so, I got so much healing from the mm-hmm. Lord that weekend. But I remember being at the bus station and it was like, there was this thing in my spirit. I was just, I was not satisfied. Mm-hmm. I was like, Lord, this it's not done yeah. though. Like I want all the healing. Like I want to be fully healed. I don't just want like a portion of healing. I don't just want this measure. I want, I want complete healing. And and when I told him about that, it was about codependency. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to live this way for the rest of my life feeling insecurely attached, feeling anxiously attached, Mm -hmm. feeling like I'm not whole on the inside. I don't want yeah. this. And I remember just crying out to the Lord. I was literally at the bus station in Boston. And he said to me, he said, Melissa, you are going to write your way through this. Mm, powerful. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. You are going to write your way through mm-hmm. this. And, you know, I had known for like five years before that, that I was supposed to write okay. a book. But as we do, oftentimes I put it off (laughs) and I procrastinate and I was like, well, I'm not healed enough to write it and it's going to be too triggering. And I was afraid to be quite honest with you because it's a memoir and the things that are in my book are very personal, uh, very, it was difficult to write. Um, And, you know, what? I thought to myself, I'm going to trust God at his word because he's saying to me. Melissa, this is the vehicle that I'm choosing to use as part of your healing process. Now, I also went through therapy. You know, I also got lots of prayer at church, met with my pastor. I mean, had intimate relationships with Christian women. I mean, was in TOU. That was a huge part of my healing. So God used a lot of different things for my healing journey. But certainly the writing of this book was a huge part of that. Huge, yeah. huge part of it. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did because now I feel like other people can read it and I just mm-hmm. pray that they can glean something, you know, from about their own healing journey. Yeah. No, yeah. And I and I love that you were obedient, you know, to the Lord for that because sometimes a lot of the time, you know, like God will use something that we had no idea about. Like he will use whatever 
he needs, you know, to uh, get us to our destination. So I think that's just even a word for the, for this community Mm. is like, don't, uh, doubt what God can do in your life. Don't minimize what he's doing in your life and keep your eyes open to what God may use to speak to you, to to bring clarity to you, because you could have easily said, God, I'm over here. I'm still in my healing. Like you want me to write this out? And I could, I can even think like, but that's just what he does. Like if he, he, he didn't promise us that it would be all peaches and cream. Right. He said that even when it's hard, you know, to take heart because I have overcome the world, right? Where it's just like, hey, That's continue right. to move forward. And my Holy Spirit is here to help equip you. So I think too, just even as women Amen. in the caught woman community is knowing that we are built for, you know, confrontation. We're built for the resistance, right? That God yeah, is gracing yes. us to be able to look beyond the moment look beyond what the enemy is trying to distract us from seeing and know that and be ready for opposition because the only way to get to the other side of the problem is you have to confront it head on there's no other way and if you believe the enemy and let him deceive you that there is a quicker way or you don't got to worry about that yet i promise you it's going to come back up you know and it's better it's to so deal true. with and it. And I'm so glad we're seeing that as a wife and a mother, because yeah. I think those of us that are single or not mothers yet, we, we need to hear that. I love that you're saying that, Natasha, like it's going to come back up. Gonna like, come back up. because yeah. I think too, sometimes, and sometimes there are some conversations I think I think it's definitely changing now mm-hmm. but I think like when we were younger girls like it used to kind of be like oh well when you're married everything will just be fine yeah, yeah. and I can even remember in my like, looking at married women who are older and being like oh well they're so lucky because their lives are perfect right. and they have everything figured out because mm-hmm. now they know who their husband is mm-hmm. like like I was so naive you know I thought that and now I'm like oh that like marriage is just another layer of of healing and essentially making you um you know sanctifying you you know making you more like this and I love also Natasha that you said that part about we were made for this you know for for whoever is listening one thing I really want to dismantle Mm -hmm. is the lie that healing is supposed to be easy yeah you know is like the lie that healing is supposed to be linear yeah and uh, or that it's supposed to be like this orderly kind of like nicely boxed in situation that you kind of tie up in a little bow and you're like, Oh, there, now I'm healed. Isn't that nice? Um, that was not my experience at all. And what I'll also say is it has never been the experience of any client Mm -hmm. that I've ever worked with Mm -hmm. in 23 years, right? Like I've never, I've never witnessed someone going through a process where it was linear and nice and clean and neat. What I've witnessed is people bawling their eyes out, falling apart, messy, ugly, like, like hard, you know, just like going through it. But what I've also witnessed is the grace of God coming alongside people because we serve, you know, the other day, Jesus said, he said, look up my name, Emmanuel. Mm He said, I want you to study my name in that particular name, you know? And when I looked it up, I just realized once again, 
God is a God who is with us. Yeah. Emmanuel means the God who is with us. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'll say is when I wrote this book, the way that I got over my biggest fear to write this book was realizing that I was not writing it alone. Mm-hmm. And honestly, honest to God, when I put when I put in my schedule that I was writing this book, what I did was I actually wrote in my schedule, I wrote writing with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what I wrote. It was like an appointment with an Jesus. Yeah. And so because I knew it was going to be scary to write it. I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to trigger me at times. I knew it was going to be messy and I was going to cry and, you know, it was going to be painful because it's my memoir. Yeah. Right. And so all, and even though I'm a therapist and even though I'm trained that way, I'm also a human and I have, and I have my own um, process of healing that I have to go through. And so for me, knowing that Jesus was writing this with me and that I wasn't alone made it okay. You know, and I, I would just say that to anybody because the, the, the truth is all of us are going to be in a healing journey for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. until either Jesus returns yeah. or we pass away and we go to heaven, right? Because, because we all know we're in a process of sanctification. We're not going to be perfect yeah. until we're with Jesus. in paradise for Mm -hmm. eternity. Mm -hmm. And so until that time, all Jesus will continue to expose things to us. He'll continue to show us areas of our hearts and our lives where he was like, daughter, I love you so much. I want to give you further healing in this area. Or he'll bring us around in circles. He'll Mm -hmm. be like, you know what? You had this much healing last season, but I'm going to bring you around back to that because I have more for you. You know, not because I'm punishing you, but because I love you so much. And so when that happens, I just want to say to people to encourage them, don't be afraid. Don't think it's something you've done wrong. Don't let the enemy come in and lie to you and say, oh, well, look, you're really not healed. Mm -hmm. Like you really didn't do anything. Look, this is coming up again. He's the enemy is a liar. We all know that. And what the Holy Spirit's actually doing is he's allowing these emotions to come up. He's allowing these triggers to come up. He's allowing even the situations to come up, maybe with your friend, your Mm -hmm. husband, your coworker, because he's saying, I want you to look at this. Because I want to heal this. I don't want you to have that in your life anymore. And and what he'll do, because he's so generous and kind and and gracious and beautiful, is he'll walk us through that. Mm -hmm. So we're not alone in that. Yeah. Right? I, I think so many times we get afraid of going, of even entering into a healing process because we're like, oh my gosh, that's going to be so hard. I don't want to do that. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. And so it's like, we talk ourselves out of it before we even start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've definitely learned in my own journey and in, you know, journeying alongside so many other people in their healing journey is that what's actually much more painful and difficult than going through our healing process is continuing to live with the symptoms of trauma. Yeah. Continuing to manage the symptoms of depression, of anxiety. That is far worse, far more painful, um, far more, um, exhausting Mm -hmm. than actually going through the healing process itself. Yeah. If that makes sense. And that's, that's really good. And I think too, just from what 
we've been able to talk about with just, you know, confronting, being yeah. able to look back, being yes. able to have the courage to hold the hand of our heavenly father so that he can truly bring us into yes. a place of healing. And I think that that is a great way right. to just even in this episode is that if you are a woman right now that you've you you have been living for years just managing your symptoms managing your emotions yes. right and not really getting freedom like god wants to supernaturally heal you from the inside out and i want to encourage you guys to if this uh if this i was going to say message but it what it was a message it was like a whole word right if this message episode um if it blessed you, I want to encourage you to connect with Melissa, um, her book that she uh, just mentioned, and it's actually her memoir, right? That she is bringing you inside of her life and showing you what the Lord has done in her life to help you stay encouraged that he can do the same for you. So I want to encourage you to to stay in contact with Melissa. She has some amazing things that are in store. As you can see, God is really using her to be a mouthpiece in this in this day and age to help rally, support, and encourage women to go on the journey of restoration and wholeness. So um, I would love for you to share with the ladies how they can stay in contact with you and if there are any other exciting things that are on the horizon for you. Yes. Thank you so much, Natasha. Absolutely. So I am Melissa Rosenberg on Facebook. Um, I live in Maine. So if you yeah. have to put in a, a state, that's where I live. Um, I'm also Mel Rosenberg 78 on Instagram. Um, something really exciting that's that's up on the horizon. And this is um, honestly a miracle yeah. in my life that this is happening is I'm actually hosting my first conference yes. um, this coming March. Yeah. It's actually March. March 22nd through the 24th in Portland, Maine, and it's called the Healers Conference. Mm -hmm. And um, really, this came out of a conversation with a dear friend of mine, yeah. um, Rob Badgett. Yeah. Um, we were we were talking. You know, he's he's in clinical mental health uh, or family a family um, counseling program for his master's degree, and you know, his wife is going to be going on to get her doctorate, Brittany. Mm -hmm. And um, at any rate, we were talking just about trauma, healing, um, racial issues, yeah. you know, racial divides, wanting to break down barriers in the church. And, and from that spring, I had this idea of this conference and I asked God if I could have it. Yeah. And he said, Melissa, it's yours. Yeah. And so I'm just planning on this amazing time of healing, of restoration. I truly believe that um, God wants to bring together the truth of his word with, with, with principles from counseling and psychology to be able to really help people get the healing and deliverance that they need. Um, we have amazing coaches, counselors, yeah. um, pastors, ministers coming, and I'm just thrilled. I can't wait to see what God's going to do when people get together and create like a, a community of, yeah. of healing. Yeah. So I, I'm just, I'm just excited for that and um, what God wants to do. Yes. So. And we are so proud of you here in the call woman community. And I know that um, you're are a fellow, a called coach um, sisters are cheering you on. And I definitely would love for you guys to get more information about what she's doing, because I believe that this is not the last one that she's going to do. Again, she said it's the beginning of something beautiful and wonderful and impactful. So Melissa, thank you so much for joining me here 
on the podcast and we'll talk soon. What did you think of today's episode? I hope you loved it as much as I did. If you found any value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you downloaded this episode by hitting that little down arrow wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the subscribe button. If you have any big takeaways from today's episode, feel free to share it with a friend that you think would benefit from this episode. I absolutely love hearing how you feel about the episodes that I'm sharing and creating for you. So feel free to tag me on social media with any truths or breakthroughs that you have received. I love reading what you find the most value in. Thank you again for being here today. And I pray that you felt the love of God through today's episode. And always remember that you belong in God's story.